Good evening, folks, and welcome back on this Saturday, the fourth day of November, 2023. I'm your host, Mark Call, and once again, it's been quite a consequential week. Things started to boil over the weekend. You might expect that, given that we've been escalating towards World War III, and it's pretty obvious that the intent is that that continue. It's also very clear by now, I hope, that at least so far as the ministries of truth are concerned, the reason for pushing for war everywhere else is to distract from the war that's being imported, along with a whole bunch of terrorists across the open southern border. And again, perhaps the best way to try to make sense of it and connect a few dots along the way is to begin chronologically. And given what happened over the weekend and what we expect to happen real soon now, there's literally so much going on on so many fronts that I'm going to simply begin with a whole bunch of shotgun news headlines in a bunch of different areas, some of which are really important, others of which are the real smokescreen. By now, you probably know that the situation on the Mideast front of World War III is literally accelerating by the hour. So we'll come back to that one because it'll probably have changed by the time I get there anyway. Is the Gaza invasion on, for example? Well, it seems to be. Israeli tanks say a number of stories have rolled into the area. But uh, I have a suspicion that if you think what we're seeing yet is the invasion, in other words, the real fireworks, just wait. And supposedly, as of midweek, Hezbollah issued an ultimatum saying that if Israel hadn't stopped its incursion into Gaza by Friday at dawn, something would happen. They didn't, but as of yet, it doesn't seem like whatever was supposed to happen has. Meanwhile, though, there's this, lots of stories about troop movements, and in particular, naval forces. At least one story is saying we've now seen the largest gathering of naval firepower in the Mediterranean and Middle Eastern area since World War II. And ponder this, folks, much of it allegedly at the command of a senile imposter who can't even handle his own pamper changes. And arguably can't tell a nuclear football from a briefing cheat sheet. And this is what the world is on the brink of nuclear world war to encourage. So here we go. A quick look at some of the other stuff you're probably not going to hear much about because, hey, there are so many other catastrophes just exploding for your attention. The criminal dictator of California, Gruesome Newsom, he was over talking to his CCP uplines has posed for wannabe presidential photo ops, says the Daily Mail's coverage, <laughs> and how's it for ironic when they come right out and admit it, with Chinese communists, and naively, they say, ignores their awful record. Wait a minute, that's no surprise, because the Ministry of Truth certainly ignores his, and as Congressman Mike Gallagher, chairman of the Select Committee on the Chinese Communist Party, writes, there have been a lot of D-words thrown around to describe the evolving U.S.-China relations, decoupling, de-risk, diversifying, disentangling, but Newsom's marital metaphor was a new one. And perhaps nuptials were, in fact, on the communist dictator of California's mind because Xi Jinping just treated him to a week-long honeymoon, clearly attuned to the Newsom presidential aspirations and the fact that they seem to be eager for a younger, less obviously senile, but certainly even more obviously communist and naive administration. Said the Congress critter, I've criticized Biden's diplomatic accommodation of Beijing, but Newsom's egregious overseas display makes Biden's foreign policy look like Bismarck-level real politic. Because to believe that the CCP could be a trusted partner on environmental issues is, as Oscar Wilde said about second marriages, the triumph of hope over experience. And I think he's putting it mildly. 
because he then goes on to focus on the fact that China is opening up an average of two new coal-fired plants every week, six times more, he opines, than the rest of the world combined, as if that was somehow a big bad thing, when in fact it just proves he's drinking the green Kool-Aid. The problem isn't that they're coal-fired. We can now make very clean coal-fired power plants. It's just that China isn't, but the so-called environmental experts don't even know the difference. In other words, they're closing down really clean coal-fired power plants in the United States and building really dirty ones right and left in communist China, which the left just loves to ignore unless they're still providing energy on American soil. But even there, they miss the mark. This is about a communist dictator that runs the left coast and the future staging area for the invasion from the Pacific, openly meeting with the communists that want to run that invasion and the country as if that wasn't already tragically obvious. Here's another item. I think it's at least peripherally related from the same source. Venezuela's worst gangsters, it says, have crossed into the U.S. illegally. Who could have imagined such a thing? And are now unleashing chaos in the leftist cities of Dallas, Chicago, and Miami, with fearful residents there saying they've had their tires slashed, windows shot out, in retribution for daring to report them to the cops. And this is a real no-brainer, folks. The subheading says, These thugs are abusing the U.S. asylum laws, sick, at the non-existent southern border. They left that part out in order to blend in with the other masses of invaders and refugees. They said legitimate refugees, and you know what they say. Like the punchline from the old lawyer joke, it's the 97% that gives the good ones a bad name. And all it takes is a few dozen terror cells or so to give the entire country a really bad day. And we've got many, many times more than that already. Which takes me finally to a story that should be front page news on every honest newspaper in the country. (laughs) Well, right there, you know why you're not seeing it. And at least certain aspects of this are single sourced. Others you are certainly going to hear about from the Waystream Ministries of Truth. First, the piece that may or may not be single-sourced, the one I'm looking at comes courtesy of author Vox Day and his website. It's alleged, he writes, that former White House Chief of Staff Mark Meadows was actually working, and this is going to be a shocker, folks, well, maybe not really if you've been paying attention, was actually working as an informant for the Federal Bureau of Instigation against the duly elected President Donald Trump while President Trump was still in office. Ryan Fournier is quoted 26 October of this year as saying, breaking, allegedly Mark Meadows worked for the FBI as an informant and wore a wire to record all conversations with President Trump while he was chief of staff to him. This, of course, (laughs) if it actually happened, does anybody at this point not at least think it's plausible, folks? This, he said, is not only unconstitutional, but it's criminal. And that seems to be pretty well par for the course now, doesn't it? This is the government we live with, he said, and it's up to us to change that. I've received information from multiple members of Congress and confidential informants that this is true. And not only has he said he's received calls from current members of Congress, he's gotten calls from the media who all now know that he knows about this information. I've received calls from former members of Congress who've also explained the very same thing to me. This, he says, is worse than Watergate, and I would say, duh, on that score. This, he says, and oh, that this part could be true, folks, is going to be the destruction of the FBI. Quick aside here, folks. Anybody remember the Roman history and the Praetorian Guard? Do we have any doubt whatsoever that Donald Trump wouldn't have survived if he didn't know about the Praetorian Guard when he entered the Oval Office? Now, writes Fox Day, I'm a very skeptical individual, and while I had no doubt that the surveillance state was spying on President Trump for decades, and we know that they were spying on him, and they were absolutely trying to undermine him the entire time he was in office, 
The allegation that they even suborned the chief of staff is almost incredible. And folks, if you've watched this chief of staff, I can't help but think at least it's consistent with what we've seen. If this is confirmed, says Vox Day, it means that the worst suspicions of the most paranoid conspiracy theorists are probably on the conservative side of the real truth. It means that literally nothing in Washington can be taken at face value. And again, I have to say, duh, you already knew that. Whether it's Republican, Democrat, democracy, representation, none of those things are real. None of them can be taken seriously. That goes double, folks, for rigged elections. And all of it, he says, means that American politics are simply theater for the masses. And I say again, tell me why we're surprised. And while it doesn't seem likely, and here at least I have to agree, if these revelations actually did mean the end of the FBI eventually, that would, without question, be a good thing. And I'll admit it again, I think the actual end of the FBI is about the only thing in this entire story that I have trouble thinking is not at least credible. Which brings me to the rest of the story, the part that the waste stream is all a flutter about, and which does basically, for that reason, if not others besides, reek to high heaven. Now, as for the BS, it's going to be spread thick and wide, like this one from ABC News, the same thing is up on Newsweek and you name it. Oh, yeah, and The Guardian out of London. Sources say that Mark Meadows informed the eminently respectable, unimpeachable Jack Smith and his team at least three times this year, once when he testified before a federal grand jury, that he told President Trump in the weeks after the rigged 2020 presidential election that the allegations of significant voting fraud coming to them were baseless. Pay no attention to it. Pay no attention to that man behind the curtain. Hey, who are you going to trust, me or your lion eyes? A striking break, back to the piece here, it says, from Trump's prolific rhetoric regarding the election. And according to those same sources, Meadows also told the federal investigators sick that Trump was being dishonest with the public when he first claimed to have won the election only hours after polls closed on November 3rd before the final and ultimately, as we now know in hindsight, incredibly unbelievable rigged results. And guess what wasn't in the story here, folks? Were fully manipulated and ahem, certified. And listen to this, folks, quote, obviously we didn't win, said a source, quoting Meadows, to Smith's team in hindsight. And the irony here is that Meadows does seem to have been on that team, and they did win. It just took a while for the American people to figure out how rigged the game was. By midweek, yours truly was seeing at least a glimmer of what I thought was a hopeful indication, even if it may be too little and too late. But more and more people, occasionally even from unlikely sources, are starting to not only wake up, but realize they've had more than enough. Let's start with the headline and the story that kicks all of this off, and then we'll go back and fill in some of the gaps. The backlash to woke culture, says a piece from Tyler Durden and Zero Hedge, which is championed by annoying, politically correct, judgmental, authoritarian, censorious, hypocritical, self-anointed masters of the universe, and they left out tyrannical, folks, has reached a crescendo. And as Elon Musk put it in a two-hour interview with Joe Rogan, the great awakening from woke has happened. And this after South Park. The libertarian-oriented, sarcastic, sometimes, comedy cartoon has nailed the coffin. The backlash, the zero hedge is multifaceted. Sarah Huckabee Sanders, Arkansas governor, last week signed an executive order there, eliminating what she said were, quote, woke anti-women words from the use of state government, because, get this, an XX chromosome is an XX chromosome. The science is clear and real, and there are some things only women can do, like perform the miracle of birth, and so on. And Thus, government should reject any language that ignores, undermines, or erases women. And it continues. 
Note zero heads, there's now even a Get Woke, Go Broke ETF in the works, an anti-woke AI chatbot, and oh yeah, the fact that forcing woke tranny culture down the throats of Bud Light consumers has just simply killed that brand. In short, corporations, at least a few of them, before it's completely too late, have begun to realize that going woke is killing profits and even hurting the bonuses of their CEOs. And to that end, on Monday, Twitter owner Elon Musk declared that the great awakening from woke has already happened, and he added, this is, quote, good for civilization. In a separate tweet, he even had the chutzpah to declare that the word cis is, in fact, a heterosexual slur, and shame on anyone who uses it. Like the infamous anti-woman term, turf. How dare you be trans-exclusionary, regardless of whatever gender you think God made you. But it seems to be South Park that's getting the attention as the cultural barometer that says things have not gone over the top. As Elon Musk tweeted, South Park and joining the Pandaverse is now streaming on Paramount, which means the bellwether has sounded. And it's certainly encouraging that the knee-jerk left, right on trigger, jerked, and then jerked again. It really does seem that Jack Nicholson was right. Kind of. You want answers! I want the truth! You can't handle the truth! And the other thing, of course, that the left really doesn't seem to be able to handle is being ridiculed, especially when it's rightfully so deserved and right on target. Here's the piece from South Park that's getting so much attention. has to do with Walt Disney, which isn't the company that it used to be, even if old Walt himself, as may or may not be true, but at least this is one of the rumors, was in fact a pedophile. So, yeah, is he rolling over in his grave at what has become of the company he founded or smirking? Regardless, as South Park puts it, it's certainly true that today, anyway, Disney movies suck. Yeah, folks, and given some of the not-so-veiled satanic undertones, even that might be an understatement. The writers of South Park seem to fix at least some of the blame on ultra-woke Disney CEO Kathleen Kennedy. Last week, notes Tyler Durden, we reported about how Disney punted its maximally PC Snow White remake out into 2025, as South Park, at that point, destroyed them for their woke casting in general. This time they took aim directly at Kathleen Kennedy with a piece entitled Joining the Panderverse, a reference to what the left loves to do when they virtue signal, and the cartoon characters ponder a mythical or is it object that might explain why they've gone so over the top, and it's called the Panderstone. Bob Iger took us to the Disney archives and showed us an ancient piece of artificial intelligence that could be used to make the same movies over and over again while appealing to absolutely everyone. The Panderstone worked great for a while, but then came the hate mail. Ugly letters from racists who couldn't stand that some of the Panderstone's rehashes had diverse women characters in the lead. I decided I would show them. I would start making movies to fight all the bigotry in our society. But instead of doing any real work, I turned to the Panderstone. It made things so much easier. Yeah, said the writers of South Park, Kathleen Kennedy got addicted to that Panderstone, kind of like a drug addict on smack. And things got worse and worse until eventually a demonic entity came through from a parallel universe. But wait for it, folks. Here comes the summary. <sighs> That's actually the best explanation I've heard as to why Disney movies all suck now. Ooh, and that one's going to leave a mark.
Let's pause there for just a second and go back and fill in just a couple of the stories that might help to make it clear why people are starting to be more than fed up. This one, too, comes from Zero Hedge via Nick Corbishley and NakedCapitalism.com as well, and it's entitled Big Brother Unchained. The U.K. government has decided to abolish biometric and surveillance safeguards as they go for woke and broke in the way of facial recognition. As you know, they are at the leading edge of global authoritarianism and outright tyranny. And in one of the many dark ironies of our age, writes Nick, it's the government of George Orwell's own native Britain that is now seeking to, or has been seeking, I have to change it, to massively escalate its deployment of live facial recognition, LFR technologies, despite any concerns raised about the potential impact or uh, what were once called in other places, certainly, God-given, what's constitutionally protected rights, and so on. In late September, 180 rights groups and various tech experts called on governments around the world to halt their use of facial recognition, global surveillance. But, says Big Brother UK, this is all about fighting crime, and you know what that means. More importantly, who that means, you slaves, you. Of course, they're called subjects of the crown over there. And this is a telling example of what we're talking about here. For better or worse, the quote goes, The lack of attention being paid to public safeguards at such a crucial time is shocking, and the destruction of the surveillance camera code that we've all been using successfully for over a decade now is tantamount to vandalism. Uh, say again? From that, it's almost hard to tell exactly how much Big Brother eventually gets to be too much. Part of the problem, says Big Brother Watch, a London-based civil rights and privacy organization, is that more than 89% of UK police facial recognition alerts to date have wrongly identified members of the public as people of interest. And as you might expect, the rest of the story goes on to describe slap after slap as Big Brother continues to double down. And as a piece from John Whitehead puts it, citing the predictive dystopian movie V for Vendetta set in this very same British Isles, this way lies madness. And some of us, of course, believe we're already there. Speaking of which, one of the worst of that evil bunch was at Swamp Central yesterday, as Jim Hoff writes for the Gateway Pundit. FBI director and whoremeister extraordinaire Chris Ray has now issued yet another, ahem, warning. Ooh, that Hamas and other terrorist organizations, not counting the FBI, I'm sure, may, quote, conduct attacks here on our own soil. Something they note, pointedly, that he just missed over and over again while he was targeting Trump supporters instead of actual terrorists who have now managed to stream across the open, non-existent southern borders, not by the tens of thousands, folks, or even the hundreds of thousands, but arguably the millions. And how many are actual terrorists as opposed to how many are just rapists, murderers, thieves, and other kinds of lawbreakers? Because they did, in fact, come in illegally. Answer, they don't have a clue. But if you look at how many were on terror watch lists and how many are coming from nations that are identified as terror supporters and the like, the answer is a whole hell of a lot. And I use that term explicitly. Speaking during what was ironically, and if you think about it in the Clintonian sense of truth which means you have to parse it very explicitly. It was called the Threats to the Homeland Senate Testimony. <laughs> and right there, and right there on camera, you could see one of the biggest threats to the homeland sitting behind a sign that lied right to your face, saying the Honorable Christopher Ray. How's that for slapping you across the face with it? He warned that Hamas and other foreign terrorist organizations, as opposed to domestic three-letter terror organizations, could use the ongoing turmoil in Israel 
that they've been pushing for and have now managed to succeed in getting as a pretext to, quote, conduct attacks here on our own soil, unquote. And I wonder if he had trouble not laughing when he said that. Says the coverage raised statement, part of a larger hearing that also involved the Department of Octung, Homeland Security. How's that for a misnomer? And it's Dr. Evil Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas and NCTC Director Christine Abizai placed a glaring spotlight, it says, on the escalating threat landscape in the United States. A threat landscape, folks, that they've worked really hard to cultivate and have finally achieved. And writes Hoft during his opening statement, aside from domestic threats, which the corrupt FBI, and maybe he's understating the case, folks, identifies as so-called violent extremists or domestic violent extremists, and that would include Trump supporters, MAGA people, and soccer moms, not to mention Christians and anybody else that can read either the Bible or the Bill of Rights. Oh yeah, and let's not forget parents who dare to think they should have some input at school board meetings about the indoctrination of their own children. Ray emphasized the urgency of addressing the threat from foreign terrorist entities now that they've distributed them to their cells all over the United States. All right, that's enough of this. I'm sick of even looking at this guy, much less listening to the crap that he's spewing while he is, in fact, aiding and abetting an invasion. And, in fact, yep, let's be honest here, folks. The term is treason because it amounts to, as the Constitution puts it, making war on the states and the people of those states. According to the Homeland Threat Assessment released by DHS, sick, at least 172 individuals, and you can probably multiply that by at least one or two orders of magnitude, on the terror watch list have been apprehended trying to cross illegally into the United States. And guess what? Those are only the ones that allowed themselves to be caught and released. And that was only during fiscal year 2023. Jim Hoff reminds us that RNC research has revealed that, quote, Biden has enriched the Iranian regime, the one that Christopher Wray now says, surprise, is a threat. Well, Biden has enriched the Iranian regime to the tune of $100 billion or so since taking office. I wonder if that counts the $80 billion in weapons that he gave to the Taliban, a lot of which, probably more than even the amount that they're saying they want to give to Israel, is already over there, but in different terrorist hands. And listen to this little bit of self-aggrandizing propaganda from the honorable, sick Chris Ray. In this heightened environment, he pontificated, there is no question we're seeing an increase in reported threats. Oot, we've got to be on the lookout. Listen carefully, especially for lone actors. Nope, no, they're not joining up with their terror cells now, are they? Nope. These lone actors, he said, who may take inspiration from recent events to commit violence of their own, unquote. And that's because they know that the FBI is not a threat to them. And now that we've let all those invaders in, he said, well, if we, quote, work together, we can safeguard our communities. Oh, yeah. And isn't it funny, folks? They want to come and take your guns, too, just like they did in Israel, right south of the Gaza Strip before, uh, well, Recent events made it clear what happens when they end up getting exactly what they're looking for. So I'm going to suggest again, and this is the only good news, but at least it's, well, maybe anyway, better late than never. So many people are finally starting to wake up to the fact that, hey, as Elon Musk put it, 
The worm has turned. He called it the woke mind virus in a tweet previously, describing wokeness as, quote, one of the biggest threats to modern civilization. And then he added, at its heart, wokeness is divisive, exclusionary, and hateful. It basically gives mean people a shield to be mean and cruel, armored in false virtue, unquote. Well, worse still, folks, it allows invaders to come in and take over a country before the dumbed-down denizens have even figured out what was happening, while those that they believe were safeguarding them were, in fact, handing over the keys and the weaponry to the invaders. And before we move on completely, I guess it's fair to point out that the Joe Rogan Experience interview between Rogan and Elon Musk, CEO of Tesla, owner of social media platform Twitter, now called X, and other multi-billion dollar businesses, took a hard swing at the far-left billionaire financier and outright fascist George Soros and accused him of, quote, fundamentally hating humanity and strategically, quote, eroding the fabric of society by funding a whole bunch of far-left things, including district attorneys who refuse to prosecute crimes and, in fact, if you look at what they managed to achieve, ultimately encourage them. The interview, aired on Tuesday, featured the outspoken entrepreneur in a wide-ranging conversation, says TGP, that covered topics from space exploration to the future of artificial intelligence. However, it was his comments about the evil, and yeah, folks, your host put that word in there, George Soros, that immediately ignited conversations on socialist media platforms. Musk then proceeded to paint Soros as what he is, a shadowy figure working to destabilize not just American society, but the entirety of humanity. I know, tell me something we didn't know, but at least he's telling a few folks who really didn't. Which takes us to the bottom of the hour. We got more right after this. Welcome back now to the second segment for this evening. I am your host, Mark Hall, and we'll begin this one with another entry from the Better Late Than Never files. But we do have to ask the question, is it really actually going to happen this time, or is it just another head fake? Newly inaugurated Speaker of the House, says Arsenio Toledo for Natural News, Mike Johnson, has decided, who could have thought it, to proceed with the long-delayed House impeachment proceedings against the fake president, Senile Quid Pro Joe Biden. And he commented that it's, quote, very likely, uh, yeah, sure, do you think, that he has committed impeachable offenses? Did Jack the Ripper commit murder? Oh, yeah, and some of us would say crimes, multiple, up to and including treason. In September, then-Speaker, now-disgraced Kevin McCarthy, launched the House's formal impeachment inquiry into the Biden Fuhrer, which, as you know, was intended to go nowhere. Although McCarthy did, at that point even, accuse the fake president of, quote, abuse of power, obstruction, and corruption, all of which he said warranted further investigation, and all of which the American people who've been paying attention said, duh, are you kidding? Why hasn't it happened already? Johnson, elected to the House of Representatives from Louisiana back in September, was allegedly one of the most outspoken when it came to the impeachment of the senile capo of the Biden crime family. 
At the time, he said, quote, I've just listed a small sampling, just the tip of the iceberg, of the credible allegations and the mounting evidence that shows that Joseph Biden has engaged in bribery schemes, pay-to-play schemes, he said, from the floor of the House. This is what the evidence shows. And notes the piece, as Speaker, Johnson has placed his, quote, full support for Representative Jim Jordan, who was unable to become Speaker of the House, but is still Chairman of the House Judiciary Committee and one of the individuals leading, if it ever happens, first an inquiry and hopefully a genuine impeachment. And by the way, folks, if this guy doesn't get impeached and convicted, we might as well just trash what's left of the Constitution, especially the part about high crimes and misdemeanors. Maybe the part about the Electoral College, too. And yeah, while we're at it, why not the rest of the Bill of Rights as well? I got a serious question at this point. Anybody else actually remember when the oath of office for a so-called president actually included to preserve, protect, and defend the Constitution? And what was it? Oh, yeah. See that the law is faithfully executed? I guess that's as opposed to those who still care about it. Speaking of which, your host has noted a lot of evidence lately that there are more and more people beginning, finally, to wake up to the fact that that is precisely what's being done to those who can read the Constitution, laws, understand a little bit of history, or even mathematics and economics. More and more of them are remembering that famous line from Howard Beale in the movie Network. I don't want you to protest. I don't want you to write. I don't want you to write to your congressman because I wouldn't know what to tell you to write. I don't know what to do about the depression and the inflation and the Russians and the crime in the street. All I know is that first, you've got to get mad. You've got to say, I'm a human being. My life has value. I'm as mad as hell and I'm not going to take this anymore. You know what's amazing, folks? That movie came out almost 50 years ago, actually 1976, and it's taken all of that time for Americans to finally figure out what it means. And sadly, most of them still haven't gotten it. But here at least is today's glimmer of hope. And notice I'm going to have to connect a couple of dots here. We'll start with a piece from the Daily Mail out of the UK. One more wake-up call for those with eyes to see. Toyota has now recalled the better part of 2 million, 1.85 million if you care, RAV4 electric EV SUVs over fire risks. Because, like Teslas and so many other EVs have demonstrated more times than most people care to think about, They might just spontaneously combust and take your house or anything else that happens to be in the near vicinity along with it. Oh, yeah, don't even ask about if it crashes or maybe crashes and burns is apropos. Fire departments have learned if you put water on it, it only makes it worse. Better just stand back and make sure you keep the area clear and watch it go. Toyota says the piece is preparing the remedy, and they'll notify customers by late December of this year if you don't find out some other way first. Now, this one should be ironically humorous, but really it's not because these things are being crammed down people's throats whether they like it or not. This piece also comes courtesy of Natural News, and it says that automakers, who could have thought it, are finally beginning to abandon plans to mass-produce these fire-prone, and that's just one of the problems with them, folks. EVs, people are finally seeing reality, says the Toyota chairman, maybe an exploding SUV in the garage will help, or just one that you can't drive anywhere in the winter or the summer because you can't run the heat or the air conditioner and still be assured you're going to make it home. The story begins this way. Major automotive companies are currently scrambling to respond to a (laughs) shift in demand for battery-powered EVs, leaving the auto giants wondering if they pushed, or maybe somebody else pushed them to push, electric vehicles a bit too early. 
In recent months, it says automaker giants, including Ford Motor Company and Toyota Motor Corporation, have all begun issuing warnings about a sudden slowdown in consumer demand for EVs. Who could have thought it? Compared to their Western counterparts, Japan's car manufacturing execs have been more vocal when it comes to pointing out the real challenges faced by EVs in the near term. Speaking in his capacity as head of the Japan Automobile Manufacturers Association, Toyota chairman Akio Toyoda said people are finally seeing reality. And the article says that just maybe Toyota is enjoying his I told you so moment as EV sales momentum continues to lag behind, especially in the U.S., primarily, says the piece. Now, here's where I'm going to have to connect a few dots, folks, or more importantly, put a few in that the story doesn't. And um, even sometimes natural news succumbs a bit to political correctness. Anyway, they say it's primarily due to cost concerns, EV range, battery capacity, charge time, and the lack of charging infrastructure that poses challenges for drivers. Notice anything missing from that list? Oh, yeah, exploding EVs is just one of them. How about the power grid itself? Look at California as a prime example. Simply doesn't have the capacity to charge the EVs that have already been crammed down people's throats. Never mind if more people scum to the pressure and find out, huh, I can't charge this thing at all, especially not overnight. And, oh, why is that that they're sucking the juice out of my batteries instead of putting it back in? And guess what? For all of their prattling about posturing and political correctness, evil carbon footprints and creatures and green energy, the fact that a vehicle is electric doesn't mean that the power doesn't come from the very same sources that heat their home, if they were still allowed to, and cook their food, among other things. In other words, folks, if there is no electrical infrastructure to be able to run your house, then where the heck do you think the extra juice to charge that car is going to come from? There aren't even remotely enough solar panels and windmills to charge the EVs that have already been sold, much less the ones that are going to end up sitting in people's garages if they last that long. And by the way, if you think it's bad that when the batteries crap out, it's going to cost you more than a used, real good car used to just to replace that alone a couple of years down the line, just wait until Americans realize what all of these things would cost if they weren't so heavily subsidized by, guess what, your tax dollars at work. Or maybe it's just newly printed money because there aren't enough tax dollars, as you already know, to uh, even balance the budget, pay the interest, much less force EVs down your throat. And one last dot that they really don't want you to talk about, the real point of EVs is control. Because if you don't have juice, you don't get to go anywhere. And even if you did have juice, they're still going to know where you go, with whom you go, how far you go, and whether or not you're allowed to go. In July, says the Peace Ford was the first to fold and abandon their 2026 target to build 2 million electric vehicles, according to Business Insider. And over the last couple of weeks, Ford has also temporarily, they say, got a production shift at an F-150 Lightning EV pickup plant as demand for truck EV in particular has faltered, according to a memo from a UAW official. I guess you could ask what good's a pickup that you can't actually pick anything up with and go very far. And even GM has now said they would hold off production of all-electric trucks at their Orion assembly plant in suburban Detroit till at least late 2025 in order to <laughs> better manage capital investments. That's my story, and I'm sticking to it. Here's one more from the Are Americans Really Finally Waking Up Files, or maybe it's the chickens coming home to roost. 
It's a two-parter, both of them from the UK's Daily Mail. What a U-turn, says one of them. How the Democrat, I would say, far-left communist mayors of five sanctuary cities in the once-free United States, remember back when they welcomed migrants by the millions, are now begging Washington, D.C., the Biden Fuhrer, and the swamp for five billion bucks or so to help paper over the mess they've made of their cesspools. But it says, and we'll talk more about this in just a second, Eric Adams has mysteriously skipped out on those talks and returned to the big rotten apple. While the openly communist dictators of the other cesspool cities outside of New York, including L.A., Denver, Chicago, and Houston, are all headed to the swamp. Eric Adams won't be there, but Karen Bass, Mike Johnston, Brandon Johnson, and Sylvester Turner, socialists all, are all demanding federal funds, what else, and work permits for the asylum seekers that have taken over their once arguably beautiful cities. Because, say it with me, folks, they're finally getting what they have been begging for, and they're getting it good and hard. Maybe the only ones really laughing at this point are George Soros and his puppet DAs. Before the crisis crippled their city, says the Daily Mail's coverage, think of the irony in this, the five mayors made welcoming migrants a central part of their political dogma. But in an abrupt U-turn, they said in their letter, quote, our cities need additional resources that far exceed the amount proposed in order to properly care for the asylum seekers. We're going to put our citizens in the dumper, but we'll put the invaders up at the Ritz-Carlton, at least until they meet up with their cells and decide to go do whatever it is that they've got planned next. And listen to this bit of crapola. Quote, relying on municipal budgets is not sustainable and has forced us to cut essential city services. Well, at least to those that didn't come in illegally across the border to commit, well, we'll no doubt keep finding that out. Meanwhile, as you may have noticed, New York's communist mayor, Eric Adams, seems to have had enough of the invasion, and he seems to have decided, hmm, maybe this wasn't such a great idea after all, and he made what may, in fact, end up being a fatal mistake. He started talking about it and suggesting that perhaps it was time to back off from the uh, invasion and all the things that they've been trying to get but now have succeeded in accomplishing, and it looks like that isn't something that you're allowed to do. If you're a far-left hog slurping at the trough, because here's the related story. Federal bunglers of investigation. Remember them? They have raided the Brooklyn home of one Brianna Suggs, who turns out to be New York City's communist mayor, Eric Adams, fundraising chief. The agent says the Daily Mail were spotted at Brianna Suggs' home in Brooklyn on Thursday morning. And the New York Times reports that some of the agents present belong to the, <laughs> ponder the irony here, folks, public corruption unit. Now, they won't go after the Biden Fuhrer, but if you cross him, they might just come after you. Because I guess the point of the public corruption unit is to slam the public corruption down your throat. And if necessary, punish those who dare to cross the system. Anyway, do you think we just might now have a clue as to why it is that Eric Adams missed that big meeting in the swamp? One of the pictures in the story has this caption. Adams was due to be in Washington, D.C. today to meet with officials about the city's migrant crisis. But when news of the raid emerged, he abruptly returned to NYC. Okay, one more from the Our Americans Really Waking Up files. This one, again, from the Daily Mail. Senator Ted Cruz of Texas is raising his eyebrows at the timing of the junk food giant Coca-Cola and their decision to wipe off, you heard this right, all of their pro-Black Lives Matter communist content from their website after some 
anti-Israel posts by the far-left group. Following the massacre of those 1,400 civilians in Israel, says the piece at the hands of Hamas, the Chicago chapter of the Black Lives Matter and other folks don't posted a graphic of a paraglider that had the caption, I stand with Palestine. And on the Verdict podcast episode recently, the Texas senator called out Coca-Cola's brand Sprite for a half-million-dollar donation to BLM back in June 2020, which previously was showcased on the company's public website, but now seems to have been deep-sixed. Caught red-handed, says Cruz, Coca-Cola has finally decided to delete its support for BLM. But he added, editing your website is just not enough. Next, we turn to the continuing terror front and how it's being used to disarm the American people by those who want them disarmed and ultimately destroyed prior to the real terror that's coming real soon, arguably to a theater near you. And we'll begin with the continuing saga of the never-ending mass of lone gunman false flags that are designed and executed, pun intended, in order to convince Americans that, hey, those guns can't do you any good anyway. Better just turn them in before we have to kill you and take them from your cold, dead fingers. This piece comes from Kevin Downey via PJ Media, also Zero Hedge, and it notes up front that most news articles about the animal in Lewiston, Maine, who shot 31 people, killing 18 of them, focus specifically on the shooter's skin color, or lack thereof, and his booga, 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 dreaded AR-15 black assault-style rifle, or so they say. The media seem to have missed that 10 mass shootings have taken place in the just three and a half days, at the time this piece was written, since the latest Maine false flag gun-free killing zone massacre. And Factorama says here, a mass shooting is defined as four or more people shot, not including the shooter who, whenever it's convenient, ultimately ends up committing Arkansas. And did you notice? I mentioned it, but I don't think it got much play because it didn't stay up there very long. The Daily Mail actually had a piece after the shooter was found dead saying that he had two bullet holes in the head. Huh? Yeah, that's what an Arkansas really is, folks. But this time, because people seem to be waking up to it, that one didn't last long. But Lewiston stands out, says the piece, because of the unusually high body count and also the fact that the shooter escaped and was at large for a while before, allegedly anyway, police found his body. Every news source from Maine to New York kept readers glued to their sites with stories that how the shooter may next come to you. But one thing you're not allowed to do, right? Get yourself a rifle and defend your family. They rightfully called it fear porn. Then it goes on to say that legendary Jack Pudding, Joy Behar from The View, doesn't seem to know the difference between an AR-15 and a bazooka. She's paid millions of bucks a year to lie to the wine box mommies who believe her cod swallop. And she said the following. I think she's channeling the Biden viewer before he completely lost what was left of his brain. If you shoot with an AR-15, let's say you shoot a deer, you can't eat it because you basically demolish the animal. Unquote. And that's the author. Uh, who wants to tell her? Suggest your host. You know darn well. Facts don't matter anyway. Do you realize the bullet out of an AR-15 travels five times as rapidly as a bullet shot out of any other gun. Did you realize that the lies that come out of this idiot's mouth are five times as stupid as anything ever said before by anybody pretending to be president? And folks, the point is, they just keep recycling this crap, and every time around, they pull the same thing, 
and they get the same result. And guess what? That means they're going to keep doing it. Until that is, they can completely disarm everybody that they haven't yet killed with some other mechanism, like, say, the Zyklon B injection, if you were gullible enough to believe them then on that. Well, the point that author Kevin Downey Jr. is making here is that there are a whole lot of other mass shootings that don't serve a political purpose, and therefore the waste stream and the regime doesn't really care if you hear about them or not. Matter of fact, they prefer you didn't because it dilutes the official narrative. He goes through ten of them that have just happened in the last few days that you didn't hear about since the hyped-up shooting in Lewiston, Maine. And as I go through a few of these, at least, it'll be clear, I think, why. Oh, by the way, there's one other thing you're also not going to hear about, and that, of course, is that this fellow was in a mental institution over this past summer. You can almost guarantee, can't you, that he was on some form or another of SSRI or perhaps other MK Ultra mind control drug. And almost every mass murder, and they're not even limited to gun crimes, folks, almost always is. He was well known to the powers that be, the FBI and the other three-letter agencies. If I was looking for a patsy, wouldn't that be the first place you'd go to select one? Especially if you knew you could inject him with anything and get them to do probably whatever it was that the CIA's been working on for so many years and then get away with it? How better? Oh, yeah. And did you hear all of those stories about his very special hearing aids that he kept hearing voices telling him what to do? Ha! Huh. Yeah, everything about this, as I've gotten more and more used to saying, stinks to high heaven. But let's return to the theme of ten other shootings that you're not going to hear about. Starting with where else? The gun control capital and murder capital of the central part of the United States, at least. There are other gun control capitals. Two of them took place in Chicago, leaving 19 people ventilated, 15 in just one shooting that only involved a handgun, not a dreaded AR-15. Indianapolis was home to a shooting that left one dead, eight injured. The bloodiest shooting since Maine erupted when two groups of maniacs decided to shoot it out during Halloween festivities in a Tampa-area bar district. Video shows two men with handguns, but imagine this, folks, not an AR-15 or a MAGA hat to be seen. At least one of the shooters was not a domestic violent extremist characterized as a white male, and that's another reason you didn't hear about this one. There's a video online of a number of people that were shot in the Ybor City neighborhood of Tampa, Florida. 27 shots fired. Five people were shot to death, including a 73-year-old male in Clinton, North Carolina, at a residence known for selling dope. Six people were shot at a party in the back of a business at Texarkana, Texas, when there was a fistfight, followed by at least a couple of men who pulled out rifles and started shooting. Wait a minute, did you hear that? They had concealed rifles, but they weren't even AR-15s? Four more at a shoot-em-up party in, where else, Chicago. Sixteens were shot at parties in both Lake Charles, Louisiana and Mansfield, Ohio. Not all of them died. And in total, 35 people were shot, four killed, in the gun-free killing zone of Chicago just this last weekend. And, says the author, there were at least two more mass shootings since he began writing the story. But, he says in conclusion, it seems like we've learned that the press is pretty picky about the mass shootings that they decide to not only report, but sensationalize and use as a reason to beat you over the head with what's going to be your own club once they take away your ammunition, too. And I'll point out one other thing at this juncture. It has literally been years since that mass shooting by that lone gunman, or so we've been told, in Las Vegas, that was said to have used one of those now-banned bump stocks. Anybody that knew anything about firearms saw through that one for a whole bunch of reasons, none of which were pointed out by the press, much less the Federal Bureau of Instigation. Turns out it really was not only one, but more than one full-auto machine gun. 
which most Americans have been prohibited by Big Brother in violation of the Second Amendment from possessing for decades anyway. And notice, let me say it again, you still haven't heard a word about the truth of what actually happened there, other than via the alternative press. And don't hold your breath waiting for any of those videos that the FBI confiscated from nearby hotels of the other, uh, not-quite-so-lone gunman, all of which seem to poke major holes in the bogus but still official narrative. And that, folks, leads me to a couple other really stinky elements of the evidently false flag mass shooting there in Lewiston, Maine. Says author Vox Day, apparently we're supposed to believe that these messages posted to Discord are the new virtual manifesto of the, as he puts it, latest wind-up toy therapized into shooting complete strangers for the purpose of pushing unconstitutional and ultimately downright destructive gun control laws. Here are a whole bunch of them credited to Robert Card, like this one. Quote, I can't stand these damn non-whites ruining our country. They don't deserve to live. Let me read them the way I think they were generated. 11.25 p.m., just two minutes after that first one, Robert Card. I've had enough of this political correctness bullshit. It's time to take matters into my own hands. Two minutes after that. I've been trained to kill, and I'm damned good at it. These people will pay for what they've done to our country. Three minutes after that, it's time to make a statement. I'll show them what a true American is capable of. They won't know what hit them. Three minutes after that, Robert Card. I've got my guns and plenty of ammo. Let's make America great again by getting rid of these scum. Four minutes later, still... I won't stop until every last one of them is gone. This is my duty as an American. Three minutes later, still, they can't hide from me. I know their patterns, their hangouts. I'll hunt them down and take them out one by one. And I guess, folks, that's telling us what social media is for. Are you starting to get the picture here? The last one, only 20 minutes after the first one was uh, uploaded to the web. No one will stop me. I have a mission, and I'll see it through until the end. God bless America. Says the actual human author here, of all the fictional dialogue that was ever written, this may actually be the most clearly fictional. It's not even AI-level fiction. It's so bad it would be funny if it wasn't so tragic. The funny thing, though, he says, is the way that the federal employee who wrote it couldn't even bring himself to use any of the printable slurs, much less any of the unprintable ones, and instead went with non-whites. And he had to use it twice. Back now to Kevin Downey Jr. for his conclusion. We've also learned, he says, that parties... The guns and the nuts who want to use them, maybe it has something to do with Satanism and the surrounding so-called Holy Day associated directly with the demonic adversary itself. And let's not forget, writes Downey, depending upon the color of the victims and most especially the alleged shooter, especially if it's not a lone gunman, you may not hear anything about it at all. So with that, I'll encourage you, be prepared for a number of events that at this point are pretty much written in stone. Understand that if you don't take care of your own house, it's guaranteed that Big Brother isn't about to, unless you're a good little slave and take all your Zyklon B boosters, which means you aren't listening to this show anyway. And yes, folks, it's definitely time to pray, because you know what? Even if you don't believe, it beats what those impersonating God have planned for you. <laughs>